But the four words on the screen, they constitute a very simple message, but a powerful one for sure. It reads, today I choose joy. I remember a teacher of mine in elementary school wouldn't say, have a good day. She wouldn't say that. She'd say, make it a good day. Make it a good day. Like we have a choice. There are so many things that are outside of our control. But there are a few that are within our control. And they are powerful opportunities to navigate this world a little easier. Two weeks ago, we talked about our response to crisis. I call the message, when good people happen to bad things. You know, we have a chance to affect things, but when we don't, we still have a chance to respond to things. And this morning, to equip us a little better, we're going to talk about joy as a strategy for fortifying our lives against some of these things that we've been praying for and against. Now, you've heard me give an explanation anytime I use the word joy. During one of my messages, I, I give the explanation, but I think it's important to dive a little deeper into the meaning this morning. The joy, it's a simple word. It's a powerful word, word. And what are some things that come to mind when I mention the word joy? Just shout them out. When you say, I feel joy, what, what are some things? Happiness. Happiness, yeah. Or what are some experiences? What, what brings you joy? Flowers. Flowers bring you joy. Love. Love. Recognition. Recognition. Yeah. Babies laugh. Babies laugh, right. Uh, I never heard anybody say marriage. I'm not judging anybody. I was really hoping this one would say marriage brings me joy, but okay. Marriage brings me joy. Ah, it's too late. There's a comedian who I won't quote other than this comment, and he says, to those who are divorced, he says, marriage is great, but divorce is so much better. <laughs> anyway, these are great moments for sure. Great moments, great things. But more than that, they are circumstances, right? It's, it, it's the circumstance of being recognized. It's the circumstance of enjoying the flowers, right? The joy you felt at the birth of your child wasn't just because the baby was born. It's the joy of knowing you have a child to love and care. It's the laugh you know is coming when you have that child. You're celebrating the circumstances. The joy you felt on your wedding day wasn't because you were having a beautiful ceremony and there's a stack of presents on a table somewhere. Rather, it was the joy knowing that the person across from you you're going to love and care for for the rest of your life, and they'll do likewise. You're celebrating the circumstance, the promise of what's to come. Now, happiness may be dictated by the circumstance, but joy is a more deep abiding, and, and that word abiding is in the Bible a lot. It means long-lasting. It means surviving and enduring, and, and I think there's a little bit of a hint at what true joy is when, when you hear the term surviving and enduring, because sometimes it takes a little bit of survivorship. Right? A little bit of enduring to maintain that kind of joy despite our circumstances. Now, Merriam-Webster, the old dictionary, says joy is an emotion evoked by well-being, right? Or success or good fortune or, or by the, the prospect of possessing what one desires. Okay? That's what it says joy is. I'd say that's true, but I believe the definition leaves something lacking. Did you know there's actually an encyclopedia of biblical terms? I, I found this accidentally. And it's called Theopedia, like theology and Wikipedia together. So uh, I haven't delved into it to see if it's truly scriptural, but I did like its definition of joy. It says, a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. I like that, a state of mind, an orientation of the heart. That's good. 
I like that. Or a settled, or, or more like your natural state, not like you're, you're just you know, conceding. It's a it's settlement, a natural state of contentment, right? Confidence, hope. Now that's a definition that I would love. Other notable pastors define it this way. John Piper says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul. It's produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world and in the word. We talked about that a little bit this morning in the Bible study. Seeing Christ, seeing God in the beauty of the world. Now Rick Warren, who's another pastor, and he's written a couple books, including The Purpose Driven Life, if you've heard of it. He says, joy is the settled, there's that word again, is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence and ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. A choice. There it is. Make it a good day. Make it a good day. Today I choose joy. Joy is a feeling, yes. But it's also the confident abiding in our faith in Christ. It's knowing, understanding, and accepting that all of our life derives from our connection to God through Jesus. Unlike happiness, joy doesn't just exist because of our circumstances. In fact, sometimes our joy is more deeply expressed despite our circumstances. And the Bible uses the term joy a lot. The Hebrew word is simcha, simcha S-I-M-C-H-A. And it's one of the most prevalent words in the Bible. It, and together with its synonym, it appears over 400 times. That one word appears 400 times for joy. And today, Jewish society uses the word simcha as a term for their most beloved celebrations. They're simcha, joyful. The first time the word is used in the New Testament is in regard to the birth of Jesus. Now, that says a lot. Now, you're probably thinking, that's great. I want that. I want joy. I want that deep abiding happiness despite my circumstances. How do I get it? Sign me up. You know, I'm not going to pass around a thing. I would love to do that. But it doesn't work that way. But the Bible does tell us how we can attain or achieve or, or get joy. From John 15, 10 through 12, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide. There's that word again. You will abide in my love. You will live forever, endure it, and it's long lasting. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, this is Jesus' joy, may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's what brings joy. Joy is obtained in Jesus' and God's love for you. When you realize that, you feel not just happiness, it's joy. Galatians 5.22, this is from uh, the Apostle Paul. But the fruit of the Spirit, here they come, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the one we all cringe at, self-control. Right? Against such things, there are no law. I always say that because we do really well until we get self-control, don't we? I can do this until someone pushes my button. There goes my self-control. Um, we are blessed with joy through the Holy Spirit, the gifts and entitles. I see giggling. You have a story to share. We'll save it for next time. <laughs> One author claims that joy is among the most unmistakable marks of a faithful heart. When you see someone with joy, a true joy, and you just know it, you know where it came from. Scripture tells us that God promises us joy. The psalmist, 1611, writes these words. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. 
At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In Proverbs, these, these little fortune cookie scriptures, I like them. It just says, the prospect of the righteous is joy. Right? The prospect of the righteous is joy. That is the result of, of righteousness. And Isaiah the prophet says, and those the Lord has rescued will return. Okay, it's coming back to him. They will enter Zion with singing. They're going into heaven singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Wouldn't you love to be overtaken by joy, not fear? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Listen to some other uses of the word joy used in scripture from Luke 1. This is the New Testament says, and listen, I'm not going to quote it. I'll say we read in this scripture about a, a baby leaping in a mother's womb with joy. And we find out later that the baby is John the Baptist. And it's Elizabeth's womb and it leaping for joy in the presence of Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus. Okay, Talk about feeling joy within you. I mean, it's, it's an interesting story that here are the unborn Jesus and the unborn John the Baptist. And in John the Baptist, I mean, the Holy Spirit saying, you're in the presence of the Savior. Not even born yet, you know. And perhaps you remember these verses from the story of Christ's birth from Luke 2.10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this, born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the same story found in Matthew. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them and until it came to rest over the place where the child was, Jesus. And when, when they saw the star, they rejoiced. Right? They were filled with joy. Exceedingly with great joy. And I love the power of the lesson from Luke 15, 7. It says, I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. I don't know 99 people that need. So that might, I must be one of the ones. Right? I, can, I can tell you honestly, I'm one of the one of the sinners who repents and needs to repent. And I need to continue to repent. So I am encouraged and filled with joy myself to know that this is being celebrated in heaven, right? It's not about who sees me and recognizes what I'm doing. I've got all that cheering me on. Do you count yourself the same? Are you one of the ones? Probably, yeah. So when you follow the commandment and you repent, which, which means, number one, you're saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I did this. God, I'm sorry. And repent means to literally do a U-turn. I'm going to go do something different, something better. I'm going to get back on the path. And remember, God knows what you did. And if, even if you just think I'm sorry, God already knew that anyway. So what's the point of repentance? It's for you. It's not necessarily for God. I mean, yes, he wants that relationship with you. But the therapy, the spiritual healing that comes is because you did it that way. I said it. I confessed it with my mouth. You know, it came from my heart. We have some real tests to our plan to have joy despite our circumstances, don't we? Our world is experiencing a pandemic. We have civil unrest, and, and we somehow we skipped over the murder hornets, right? No one remember the murder hornets? They were mentioned in the news like a day. The world's being infested with them, anyway. Um, you may also uh, be trying to experience joy despite a personal circumstance in your life. The loss of a loved one, a health concern, a, a financial struggles, a strained relationship. So we've got the world crises, and you've got your personal crises, how am I supposed to, to deal with this? Well, you face it with joy. 
this we can turn the Bible again, and we should. We find these words from John 16, 22. So with you, now in your time of grief, you are in a time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Wow. Can't rob my joy. They shouldn't be able to do it now, but somehow we kind of let people do that sometimes, don't we? He says, but the next time you see me, Jesus says this, you will rejoice that no one will take away your joy. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Right? To get to that level of joy, because of the joy before him, Jesus endured this for you. And when we commit to the joy strategy, we are changed from the inside out. We are, as Apostle Paul describes it, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because we believe in a forgiving God, and we take joy in that knowledge. We can rejoice even in tough times, secure in our faith, and in God's unconditional love. And we can take a kingdom perspective. Now, what does that mean? It means looking at things with a long-term plan, knowing that these things are temporary. We can also look at things knowing that God is in control of them. We can look at him saying, what's God's purpose in this, not just mine? That's a kingdom perspective. That's God's kingdom and looking at that way. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That was our scripture, remember, that Becky read. You know, though you don't see him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And somehow you're filled with joy because you know him. And you're seeing the end result of your faith. And let me tell you that that doesn't mean it's the end of the race. It's just saying you're seeing what faith results in. In James 1, 2, and this is, this is my go-to verse in times like this, I say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Well, why in the world would I do that? For you know that it is a testing of your faith that proves steadfastness, or another translation says perseverance, and that's done for the maturing of your faith. Count it, you know, Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. You're enduring a trial for the joy set before you, which means I'm going to be more mature in my faith. I'm going to have a better understanding of God. I'm going to be able to rely on him more because he got me through this. And as Christians, we know that it's not all about us. I hate to say that. I'm a middle child and a Leo, and that is really hard for me to stand up here and say it's not all about me. But the counselor says I should. That was a joke. But, all right, I'll try again later. So when we apply the joy strategy, we are changed. Others are affected. Don't roll your eyes at me. I love you. People will begin to lean in. They want to know why. They know what you're going through, and you're sitting there. It's not false optimism. There's something about true joy, and people want to know what it is. The other thing is opportunities will be created to share, to teach, to witness, and to testify. We don't like to use those terms witness, you know, because it, it's a churchy word. Or to testify, well, that, just, that has legal implications. But a lot of people like to share their story. We heard a couple stories today, beautiful stories. I'm going to digress for a moment here. So while studying scripture and comparing various definitions of joy and ways to achieve it, I came across an article in Success Magazine from December of 2017, and it was titled, 11 Simple Ways to Find Joy in Your Everyday Life. Now, I knew I wasn't gonna find anything in this for church, so I thought I'll read this and see how I'm doing with, with Successes Magazine's 11 things that I can do to find joy in my life. 
And as I read through this list of less leavened suggestions, it was clear to me that they were attempting the reader to find happiness. These are ways to be happy. And they were using it as joy. So I thought, I'd take their 11 ideas. I'd dump the worldly talk about things that can only make you happy for a short time or joy for superficial reasons. And I stripped all that away and added my own context based on what scripture tells us about true joy. And here's what I came up with. First, they say, stop waiting to be happy. I think that's great advice. Why, why wait even one minute to pursue true joy in your life? It's never too late and it's certainly never too early to start experiencing the blessing of peace and joy that comes from faith. So why not start now? Stop waiting to be happy. Number two, it says, add happiness to your life right now. Well, that seems redundant, but it says, okay. We aren't going to wait, so how do we do this? By digging into God's word. By applying his lessons to our life, by asking him to help you recognize and experience true joy. That's how you add it to your life right now. They say make self-care part of your routine. I guess brushing your teeth makes you happy. Okay. It makes your spouse happy. Just nods at that one. Okay. Thank, thank you for participating. It's true that a good haircut may make you feel good. A great massage, a great massage may make you relax. But if you want to experience joy and peace on a deep level... You need to make a certain kind of self-care a part of your routine. What about starting and ending your day with a simple prayer? That's self-care. Just a basic, hi, God, thanks for being there. I'd like to have a good day today, thank you. If you learn to relax, if you want to learn to relax, you need to practice the self-care that results in you knowing that you have nothing to fear. Nothing brings relaxation like peace. And if there's nothing out of God's control and, and knowledge, and that he has a desire for you to experience his kind of joy and peace. Now that is relaxation. That is self-care. Number four, they say, get in a joyful state of mind. So what takes you to your happy place? I heard flowers. I heard other things. Your babies laugh. You know, we might even say a car or a boat. What do you do to get happy? And if you aren't sure, then, then just pay attention to how you walk, talk, and think, and what you do when you're really happy about something? Where does your mind go when you're happy? Are, do you hum? Do you sing? Is there a song? Um, if you want to get into a joyful state of mind, you need to, as they say, fake it till you make it. Act with joy and let your mind catch up and catch on. Right? Sing a hymn. Sing a song. Hum. Skip. I don't. Whatever it is that you do when you're happy. If you're stressed, go to that happy place and see if your mind doesn't catch up with it. Number five, stop worrying. Okay. All right, that's easy. We have plenty to worry about, don't we? We have plenty to be, to be aware of. We have plenty to be cautious about, and we certainly need to exercise good judgment. There are things you can control, and there are things you can't, and a whole bunch more things that you were never meant to control. Okay? Which one of these groups is causing you the most worry? I'm not going to tell you to stop worrying. It's guaranteed to get you thinking more about the things that worry you. If I say stop thinking about a pink elephant with a blue bow tie, that's all that you're going to think about. I'm not going to say stop worrying. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you not to be anxious. I'm just going to tell you to lean on God. And I'm going to bet that worrying eases on its own. Focus on that and let the other stuff melt away. They say appreciate the small things. There are a billion things that take joy in. We talked about that this morning around the table. And I'd venture to say that 99.9% .9 of them get overlooked or just plain taken for granted. We talked about that this morning. 
We appreciate things like our health and our families, and we even may be thankful for things like the amazing weather, or what about those beautiful flowers outside right now? What about the small things that you never have to give a thought because God has them under his control? I'd like to encourage you to listen to the message from November 2018, and it's a long time ago. It was titled, Thanks for Nothing. It was a bizarre little title, and, and but we talked about the various types of blessings, the ones we recognize and the ones that, that we don't so much recognize. I'm getting close to my list here. So it says, surround yourself with positive people. Okay, that's easier said than done too. But I like, I like that it says positive and not happy. People are, you know, similar to joy. Positivity can exist in all circumstances. Wes was positive about our broken window this morning, right? Unfortunately, we may write off some of these to blind optimisms or, or naive, naive. Let's just say optimism. I wrote that word and I said it when I practiced, but I, naivety? Naivety, okay. But Christians know the difference between luck and a blessing. The difference between wishing for something and having a hope in it. The difference between crossing our fingers and having faith. Surround yourself, not exclusively, okay, not exclusively, but surround yourself, but certainly in times when you need to stay energized and encouraged with people that know the differences between luck and a blessing. Crossing your fingers and having faith, wishing for something and having a, a hope, okay? And they can remind you of what this stuff means. It says laugh more. This is so important. So important that I try to make you laugh every single Sunday. Every Sunday I try so hard. But don't think for a second that God doesn't enjoy us. Probably laughing a little, slapping himself on the forehead at us, going, what, why are you trying to do that? And certainly he's engaged in our life. You know, there's a verse, and I've got a, a message coming up in a couple weeks on this, talk about entertaining angels. Now it talks about the care and service of others, but I love that term. I like to think we're all just running around entertaining the angels, you know. <laughs> love more. Enough said, right? No, no. Love more, and then more, and then more. Love better. Love with less inhibition. And refer to last week's message on that one about the paper heart. Love with less condition. Love unconditionally. Love more people. Love more of the time and for more reasons. And once you think you got a handle on that, it's time to up your game. Love more. It says find bliss in a bucket list. Now we all like to accomplish things, don't we? We like to check things off the list. If joy is more than happiness and joy can and should exist despite your circumstances, then your bucket list of accomplishments may look like something like this. Find the spouse my soul loves. Check. Do the best job at parenting that I can. Check, right? Doesn't say good, be a good parent. I'm trying, but be the best that I can. Check, right? Keep my faith despite a health concern, like a pandemic. Or, or despite a civil war unrest in the, in the country, or financial concerns, are we able to check those? Take joy in what you've accomplished. And as the, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote, take joy when you face future struggles, because there are opportunities to fill this bucket list of things you've overcome. And last on their list, plan your happiness. Now they're talking about financial investments. I'm gonna talk a little bit about the real investment. I say don't plan your happiness. I say expect your happiness. Claim God's promise of a blessing for you. Let me sum it up this way. I'm going to sum up the whole message here, and you probably should have said, well, just, you should have started with this. Joy isn't the opposite of sad, okay? Joy is the opposite of afraid. Joy is the opposite of worried or insecure. Joy is the result of faith 
and it's the byproduct of a healthy spiritual life. If you've got a healthy spiritual life, you feel joy. It's just natural. You're settled into it. Not settled because you're, you're content. You're just the natural new normal, we're saying. Joy may not mean happiness, but it certainly pleases your Heavenly Father when you discover the true joy that He intended for you to experience. And I love this. This is from Paul, and, and I use this as a benediction. So let me, let me say this over you. May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again, because these are powerful words and a powerful blessing I want for everybody who hears this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Let's say a prayer. Father God, you have called us to joy more than that you expect us to experience joy you have offered a promise to bless us with joy and peace as your word says that surpasses all understanding it's so complete and so deep abiding it makes no sense so lord rather than try to sort through why it feels good despite our circumstances let us rest let us find contentment and peace and knowing it is a blessing. Father God, as we face in this world pandemics, as we face in this world riots and civil unrest, as we face in this world all kinds of things that, that create unrest and, and unease, as we face things in our own life that cause us to feel restless and unease, God, we ask that you help us to experience joy. Joy that means we have a hope. Joy that means we know there's a plan and a process and, and that there's someone in control. Father God, let us do such a good job of this that it is so apparent that other people want this for themselves, that they are jealous of the joy that we have and let them seek it out for themselves and let us guide them into that relationship with you. Father God, I ask for your forgiveness over our sins. Father God, I know that, that repenting is a pathway to joy and that better relationship. So, Father God, I ask that. And I ask a blessing over all in this congregation, all who hear this message, for an overwhelming amount of joy, just as you intended. God, I just want to close this prayer by thanking you again for this beautiful building. All the work that it goes into it, 40 years now, this Golden Beach Community Church has been a home for those seeking you in this community. Lord, it is a symbol in this community. It's a symbol as you drive down the road and see this steeple and the cross lit up. And you know whether it's your church home or not that this is God in this community. Lord, let us continue to do your work here. Lord, continue to guide people uh, into a relationship with you. Let us be a part of that when able. And let's fill this building with those hungry for your word. Let us be as welcoming and inviting as we can be. Lord, again, I ask your blessing over this service and all who hear it. Amen. Amen. Now, this is the first Sunday of the... Yes. I would like to challenge you. Okay. Challenge being laid down. Go ahead, Donna. Heather needs a little prayer this week. Every day. 
Okay. All right. Challenge has been laid. That, to you too, Heather. And I know you'll do it. This is the first Sunday of the month, and as such, we, we celebrate the Holy Communion. That special moment when Jesus sat down with his disciples and he gave thanks. And he. He said so many things that we look to today for confidence. He, was, he told us that he's going ahead to prepare a place. He told us he's coming back. He told us he's sending a helper. He, he gave so many promises that we stand on today. But none greater than this promise that said, I'm going to take your sins to the cross with me. And so he took bread just like this and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And so I want to invite you as we take our little packets and and you peel back that first layer and, and let's take his body. He says, this is my body broken for you. And then likewise, he gave thanks and he took wine and he poured it into a cup and he says, this is my blood. This blood seals the new covenant, this new promise. This promise that we stand on today. And he says, as often as you eat this bread and, and drink this wine, he says, do this in remembrance of me. So we do this at least once a month and, and certainly on other occasions as well. We, we celebrate this communion and nothing should bring us joy other than more than the communion with God, this connection. Let's take a moment in silence. places say leave your baggage at the door you know when you when you go into work they say whatever problems you have leave that at the door don't bring that stuff in here church is the one place that says bring all your baggage bring it all don't leave it at the door leave it at the cross and i hope that's what you just did okay let me just close with a prayer here and then we'll do our last time father god thank you for this opportunity to commune with you Thank you, more importantly, that thousands of years ago you sent your Son into this world to preach and teach and set an example. That he gave his life. He faced the cross for the promise of the joy that stood before him, the joy that, that exists now today which we claim. Father God, as we 
wind down the service this morning, we say thank you. Thank you that we could do this. Thank you that we're in a country that allows us to celebrate uh, your life. And Father God, we thank you for the sacrifice that makes our joy powerful and complete. Amen. I'm just going to close with this hymn, and it's going to be an upbeat one. Let me stop recording because we don't need to.